Thank you for tuning in to the Maximum Advisor podcast. If you're a growth-minded financial advisor looking to grow and scale your practice, you're in the right place. Your host, Chip Munn, brings tips and best practices based on his experiences and has guests from financial advisors to industry experts sharing wisdom with one another because we're better together. And now, Chip Munn. Welcome back to the Maximum Advisor Podcast. Today, I am joined by Sean Mullen. Sean is the Executive Vice President for Growth Strategies with Signature Wealth Partners. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chip. Happy to be here. Great. Well, Sean, for our listeners, Executive Vice President for Growth Strategies sounds like a, a mighty big title. Can you tell us a, a little bit about uh, how you, what you do and, and kind of how you got here? Yeah, so at uh, Signature Wealth Partners, it's it's the RIA that we are building, and it's going to be a, a landing point for advisors that are looking to grow. So, you know, we're we're trying to target uh, the advisors that are new in, into their career, right? Maybe already have a nice book with an existing firm, looking for that next chapter, that really that next growth chapter in their history, and and to really create the place where advisors want to work, right? And when they, when they want to work at a place that has a great culture, they're happier, their clients are happier, and they can really focus on really what is best in, for them and their clients. And that's, that's really what we're looking to, uh, to establish over at Signature. And um, you know, the growth strategies, that can be a, a number of different avenues that we can take. We're going to be creating a, a nice uh, location for advisors that are planning-oriented, Right, who have the client's best interest in mind, and that are that are completely fee based, so that the advisors on on the same side of the table as the client, and we're nationwide. Uh, we're going to be a multi custody, and uh, we have a nice tech stack for our advisors to utilize, and and we think it's going to be in a very attractive place for advisors to grow their business. That's great. Now, uh, prior to your work with Signature, so uh, in full disclosure, we met several months ago. Uh, you came and did some work for us as a consultant, and we were uh, fortunate enough to convince you uh, to to join our team. Prior to that, though, what did you do before you came to Signature? Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I had joined really out of uh, out of college to Morgan Stanley. It was Dean Witter at the time. Became a broker. Realized relatively quickly that that lifestyle wasn't for me, and and joined a, a registered investment advisory firm in the DC area. Grew with them, phenomenal firm, partners, etc. Grew with them really for about fifteen years. They spun off a TAMP, which is a, a turnkey asset management program called Fortigent. Uh, worked with Fortigent, sold uh, the Fortigent strategies and their technology solution. Then from there, joined InvestNet in Chicago, where I now reside. InvestNet, as, as many people probably know, the, one of the biggest turnkey asset management providers in the industry. And they service uh, financial advisors, right? So I got my chops on, on selling and, and trying to really find a solution for the needs of advisors. From there, I, I went back to uh, the investment advisory group over with a, a phenomenal firm called Advice Period Out West, run by Steve Lockshin. And, and he... His idea is very similar to ours, right? Try to find a nice landing place for advisors to be successful. They have um, a very planning-centered, passive-oriented uh, group where there's like-minded advisors there. And uh, really taking a lot of the knowledge <clears throat> that my friends of Advice Period have done and bringing them to Signature 
and uh, and try to even improve on that, right? So, you know, what were the challenges that we found, not only where I worked at Advice Period, but also Investnet back at Fortigent, right? Try to try to get that collective experience and build something over at Signature Wealth Partners that we believe is going to be a phenomenal place for advisors to join. And that's what I'm looking forward to talk about today with you. Great. Well, one of the things that you and I have spent a lot of time talking about is kind of young advisors, you know, whether, whether we call them associates or juniors or, or, or really just uh, solo advisors who have started out in the business. You know, I started out at 22 years old by myself. And one of the better things that I did was convince my partners to allow me to, to join them. But sometimes folks can end up in a situation they didn't mean to be in or what you thought you were going to have isn't ultimately what you got. And so today I wanted to talk with uh, you uh, just to get your kind of take on what happens when young advisors are in a situation and they want out. How how do you begin the process of looking at something uh, different? How do folks end up there? Yeah. Yeah, this is this is a big demand that's sort of under everybody's radar, right? So you see a lot of press about you know advisors turning independent or people leaving the wirehouses or you know one indie advisor going to another indie advisor maybe they're creating their own firm but there's a huge swath of these very talented younger advisors that are at firms and sometimes those firms are successful sometimes they aren't but nobody knows about them right because these advisors are relatively terrified that they're going to be fired that they're going to be found out about so these advisors sometimes started at these firms as an intern, right? And I ran into these advisors a lot when I was at, at Investnet, right? So you'd go into a firm and you became, you know, you'd go out to lunches, you'd do lunch and learns and become socially friends with these advisors. And then, and then you start hearing the true story, right? And these advisors either started right out of college, became interns, were, a, you know, a junior relationship manager. And, you know, through the past five or 10 years, they're successful in their own right, right? So maybe they came in and they tucked in a book from the from the senior partner for twenty five million, and now now their book is seventy, hundred, hundred and fifty million. That that's really what they grew at the firm, right? So they're successful in their own right. But a lot of times they're still getting a salary. Their actual salary has nothing to do, or it's objective by the senior advisor to do with the actual revenue they're bringing to the firm, and they get frustrated. They want to know what their next step is, right? Where where can they get success outside of the firm, right? Because there's usually nowhere to go, right? They're, they're not going to become partner. And the succession plan of the senior advisor might be decades away. Where do these people go, right? Who, who do they speak to to find places like Signature, right? So, you know, what, what firms are um, starting to, to do, and, and this, you know, this includes Signature, includes Advice Period, some other, some other firms out there, which is, Create an environment where there are senior level senior leaders, right, to help bounce ideas off of, to help on the service, uh, the service environment, the operations environment, the the compliance, all the things that the advisors really have never done on their own, right? They've always had sort of this apparatus of 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 help around them, and and create where the revenue to their book of business is a direct line to the income that they're going to make as an advisor. There's no non-compete. All these things from the, like all these sort of negative things that are that they're impacting these advisors right now, right? Non-competes, social social um, marketing restrictions, right? No level of upside. The more assets that you bring in, so there's 
these advisors are everywhere. There's thousands of them. But you know, it's it's our job, right? You and me, you and me, Chip, right? And our firm, our job to get our name out there. You know, so these advisors who are looking at, hey, what is what's the next chapter in my career? Uh, for them to have a conversation with us, see if we're going to be the right fit, both for career-wise, culturally as well, for the advisors to really look at us seriously and and make that leap, you know, for that next next step in their career. Sure. Well, one of the things as I talk to younger advisors that I have found is that sometimes they don't really know what to look for going in and they they find out again that kind of you, you get what you want and you realize you didn't want what you got. So what are some of the mistakes that you've seen advisors make when they start to look for a new partner or some form of exit from from whatever firm that they're in? Yeah, so I would I would say the advisors because they're so honestly because they're they're you know maybe terrified is too strong of a word but they're they're so hesitant about their existing firm finding out that they're looking around that they don't they don't vet their new you know place of of work enough. And so what I would suggest to these advisors is talk to your relationship manager at the custodian, speak with some of the wholesalers, right? That that's sort of the wholesalers of the mutual funds and the and the separate accounts. Speak to your tech stack provider, right? Like who's out there, who's doing these things, because these people know, right? So these these other professionals out there know the firms that are more flexible, that might be more successful, might, you know, might be a nice cultural fit because they're speaking with all of us out there, right? And these are these wholesalers, these other professionals are the ones that I, sp- I speak to most, right? When, I, when I'm having lunches or I'm out at industry conferences, you know, speaking on panels, it's have you been hearing from advisors who want to leave, right? And it's in everybody's best interest, the custodial provider, the wholesaler, to bring that advisor to a like-minded firm, right? From RIA to RIA, right? You don't want to go from RIA back to broker-dealer, right? You don't want someone sort of like leaving leaving the sort of, you know, your, your sort of mini universe because you lose assets. Whether or not, like, you know, it's, it, it's in, the, in the best interest for that person right now, like they're, they're scared to talk to people. That is exactly what they should be doing. So they find a firm and they vet the right people so they can go to that firm and actually not have to leave that firm in six months because they made the wrong decision by simply making a decision too quickly without enough information. What are some of the benefits, Sean, that you see uh, from advisors who join up? You know, I, I I hear all the time, like, what what if I just wanted to go independent by myself? You know, I I can do a lot of these things myself. What's one of the be- What are some of the benefits of joining and participating in a larger group? It's the unknown, right? So there's a fee standpoint, and then there's a service standpoint, right? So from a from a fee standpoint, the ability of a firm like ourselves. Uh, that has pricing power with all the above, meaning the custodians, the tech, the tech providers, compliance, marketing, et cetera. Just simply because of the assets we have behind us, we can push down fees to a level that a sole proprietor at, at 50 million just simply is, is not going to be able to achieve. And a lot of the times the, the tech providers, they just simply, it's not that they don't want to do business, but you're going to be the last call on the list, right? If, if there's a service issue, right? Or if you need to get something done. So it makes a lot of sense for an advisor to partner, and we really are, you know, these advisors are partnering with us, you know, we, they, they will remain owning their business to partner with us and get all the benefits of our lower fees and the access and the service levels than they would on their own. So that's sort of like, you know, the number one from, from a fee standpoint. And then number two, from a service standpoint, 
it becomes, although they may look at it and say, okay, so every dollar of revenue is actually going into my pocket if I go alone. That's just simply not the case, right? You have to hire compliance. You have to hire someone who's going to do research. You're going to have to hire marketing, right? There's going to be a lot of these other outdoor feeds to, to make yourself successful, right? This, to be successful, it costs money. So, you know, to utilize uh, a firm that has a shared service model, right, where, you know, we find the highly talented people because, again, as a bigger firm, you know, we have more money to allocate to, to value-added positions, whereas, you know, as a sole proprietor, you're, you're sort of looking for a body, regardless of whether that person is, is talented in the position or not, which, of course, can cost you money down the road, sort of either opportunity costs or sort of trade errors. So from a, from a, a service model standpoint, I think it makes complete sense to utilize uh, someone like a signature from that standpoint. So you have that, you have the fees, and then simply the, the, the tech stack, right? So if, if you're an advisor, you know, the last thing you need to be doing is going to conferences, vetting all these vendors, right? Doing all these demos, because all that time is n- ends up not being spent building your business, right? So every time you're out meeting with a vendor is less time you're, you're meeting with a prospect or a client. And simply, maybe it's not your skill set, right? So, so let the firm who has people inside the firm that have tech expertise that have been around the block quite a long time, who knows the vendors out there, knows the, you know, the challenges and the opportunities with, with each vendor. So the tech stack is, is you know, up and ready when you join the firm. So those sort of like three main components, I think, make it really a slam dunk to join a firm like ourselves rather than go it alone. Well, particularly if you can continue to own your own business. And I think that, you know, there's a a big difference in my mind because I learned this firsthand. There's a big difference between owning a business and running a business. Right. And I I think that for a lot of the folks that I work with, that's been an eye-opening situation. We know how to run a practice. We know how to have our client reviews and our processes for those kinds of things. There's a big difference between that or even running a branch P&L in a regional or a wirehouse and actually running a business. And so I can speak from experience in in how difficult that was uh, as a transition. And as such, that's one of the reasons we've had Barry Dedge. I know that you know Barry. We've had him on a couple of times. One of the reasons that uh, I partnered up with Barry and had him come uh, on board to help us was because there is, you know, management is a completely different skill set than being a financial advisor. And so, you know, it's one of those things that sometimes you don't know until you're, you're already out there. And unfortunately, it's just too late. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is such a good point because you're right. It is a completely different skill set being, you know, uh, a fantastic advisor and a fantastic business owner and business manager, right? And so that's why you did, you know, you do the smart thing. You find out who is great at running a business, who's a good manager. You bring those people in. As a sole practitioner, that's nearly impossible or it's expensive. But I would also say, you know, it. I, I feel, you know, when you when you run into these successful advisors, I, I feel like there's an I don't know if it, if it's an ego thing or an, or an industry expectation where hey if if I'm successful I run my own firm like that's sort of what it is if if you're going to leave Merrill Lynch or you're going to leave Goldman Sachs or even Ameriprise et cetera Securities America feel like you know you're you have hesitation of joining another firm right because maybe the perception is is that you're not going to be successful on your own when in fact it's a it's a whole different sort of mindset of 
do I want to continue being a great advisor and a great advisor to my clients and be successful that way? Or do I want to really go out on a ledge and, and see if I'm going to be a good business owner? And I would say a lot of these firms, they're not failing because they're not a good advisor. They're failing because they're, they're not a good business manager and they don't bring in someone from the outside who is. I find that challenging. I think there's a lot of advisors that don't go independent simply because they are afraid they're going to fail from a business management standpoint. And from that aspect, again, like, you know, but besides, I think, being attractive to these younger advisors who are in the situation they're at, I find that we would also be that really great step for that advisor who, who wants the flexibility and the independence of being an RIA without running the business of being an RIA, right? So we're, the, we're that sort of sweet spot. You get all the bells and whistles of, your, of you being your own RIA without all the headaches and the challenges of running the business. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's an opportunity there. Again, you know, the, these are discussions that these advisors looking to go independent should be talking to their custodial counterparts, again, wholesalers, because they'll know the firms who have the business strategies like us and can create those introductions. Well, and for me, again, I, uh, I heard you when you said, you know, sometimes success feels like running your own firm. And again, I'm, I'm a uh, a poster boy, if you will, for that, <laughs> because when we left uh, our previous firm, you know, the idea was that it was, you know, you wanted to to run your own firm, and you were accustomed to dealing with the the branch P and L, and it just is a it's a different feeling. And one of the things, and one of the great reliefs, frankly, of my life uh, was getting to a point size wise where we could bring in talent. From a management standpoint, there's a big difference, if you ask me, between being a leader and being a manager. And in my experience, lots of financial advisors have leadership qualities to, to lead a team, to be able to, uh, I tell our folks a lot of times, that's what our clients come to us for is leadership. But there's a big difference and it's just a, it's a different ball game when it comes to dealing with employee issues or issues with the custodian or, and frankly, if you're a really good financial advisor, it's a waste of your time spending time doing those kinds of things. And time is the only resource that we have that we ultimately sell is our ability to spend time in front of clients and prospects. And so one of the best days of my life was bringing in someone who had professional management experience. That's tough to do when you're by yourself, when you're, you're young and when you're still in the process of, of building and you have to, the, the, the notion of stopping or setting aside the building of your firm for the purposes of figuring out management structures and processes and procedures outside of your, your client facing stuff, it's really a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned to find ways, again, whether it's with somebody like like us, a bigger firm, or whether it's uh, consultants like like you were when you came to us, you, you have to find ways to leverage other people's time and talents to uh, allow you to do what it is that you do best, which is turn strangers into prospects and prospects into clients. Yeah, I would I would completely agree with that. And and you're right. You know, you you hit a wall as a firm, and you and you really have to have a reckoning with yourself of, okay, how are we going to get to that next level? And and you made the hard decision and and went out and you hired people like Barry, right? So you hire people like Barry and others, and and that's how you get from the from the firm you were. Four months ago to the firm that you know that that you want to be built for the next five and ten years, 
And what I ran into time and time again, right, at, at InvestNet, you know, advice period and now is you have, the, you have sole practitioners and it's usually like, it's like at these marks, the 50 million mark, the, the 100, you know, AUN mark, and they're stuck, like they just languish at that amount. And it's because you're between a rock and a hard place. You don't have enough money to hire the talented people, but then you end up spending so much time on managing the business, you're not growing it. And I think you know what what I would suggest. My advice to these to these firms are is, what's the value add as a as a sole practitioner at fifty and being stuck at fifty versus joining a firm like ourselves where you still get to brand yourself as your name, right? You really are going out there and and still have the flexibility that you see today, but you're doing a joint service model and and you're partnering with a with a bigger firm, right? By moving from the fifty million, you know, offloading all that operational duties to a firm like us, the conversation with the client is easy, right? You say, it's still me. My investment thesis is is the same. I'm joining signature because a, B, and C, right? You know, the things that I was talking about earlier, fees, you know, tech stack, vendor management, all of these things are are beneficial to the end client. So if you know if they're going to say Jane Connor is still my advisor and and Jane Connor is now part of Signature but you know Jane Connor and company is still the name but you know maybe my fees went down and my and my service level went up because you know you have a you know someone to call if, if Jane's on vacation all of these things are great for clients and so I would say for these advisors who are who are in the position where they've stopped growing is to really you know look in the mirror and say you know, the change of the way I've been running my business, I need to think about that. And I need to think and have these discussions with these firms that are out there. And again, we're, this is on the newer side, right? That the firms like us are, are relatively new in the last, you know, two to three years of this type of offering. Maybe that's going to be beneficial, not only to me, but to my clients, right? So from, you know, even from being a selfless standpoint, this is beneficial for the clients too. So there's, everybody wins here. Even down to the to the tech vendors, right? Because they're not working with a bunch of small shops; they're they're working with bigger shops. So fr- from the whole like spectrum, from client to tech to the to the firms to the individuals to the clients, everybody wins. And so that's where I really see director of growth strategies. That's exactly it. That's the growth strategy: is speak to these young advisors, speak to these sole practitioners, speak to these uh, people who may have made the wrong decision when they jump ship too quickly without talking to their, you know, to other colleagues in the industry. And make ourselves known that you know there's there's a different choice out there where you really get the flexibility and the independence, but it's sort of integrated independence, right? You know that's up to you and me and Chip, right? You you Barry, myself, the other people at the firm to get the to get the word out there, you know, to start these conversations and really improve people's lives. Well, and I would I would say I think you hit on something that's. Uh just dead on, which is if everybody can't win, you shouldn't do it. And I think that, you know, one of the important parts of doing your due diligence is you you should be. We talk about fiduciary standards and client first and being client centric. You need to be looking for the best situation to put your client in. And now part of that could be your your happiness and ease of doing business for you. But it's important that, that everybody be able to win. And if not, then it, the way I had a recruiter tell me one time that by having a conversation or doing some due diligence, one of two things would happen. Either you would find a new home where you'd be happy and you have everything or, or as much as possible of all the things that you wanted, 
or you'd realize what a great situation that you're in and either way you win. And so I think that there's a lot to be a lot to be said for that. Sean, this is an action oriented show. If we're talking directly to that young advisor, someone who might feel stuck, they're in a a team that's not working or, or they're at a firm that they don't feel like or they're concerned isn't a good fit. What's one thing, one action that they could take today? What's one thing they could do to be better tomorrow than they were today? Yeah, that's I mean that that's a really good question. I would say, you know, if if, if they are seriously thinking that, you know, if in their heart of hearts they know that they, this firm that they're with is not the firm that, the, that they're going to spend their career at. If it's just a job at this point, they need to pull the trigger and, and get out, right? Like they, they need to take action now and start those conversations. So one thing I always say is look at those non-competes, right? Get a copy of your non-compete if you have one. Hopefully you don't. If you do, it's not the end of the world. This happens all the time. Two, get a, you know, find an attorney to review that non-compete with you. That's always helpful. You know, have someone on your side so you know what your options are. Three, if that if if you get the answer that the non-compete is is ironclad, could you join a firm like Signature over the next 12 months or 24 months of whatever that non-compete is and be successful with brand new clients that could pay the bills until that non-compete is up? That's always a big question is are are you confident in yourself that if you went alone and you brought in and you had to bring in brand new clients, could you do it? Most successful advisors are saying yes, right? That they they've saved enough, you know, they have you know they have enough to pay the bills for a while, and and with firms like us, right, the revenue is it basically flows through. So from from day one, if you start bringing in clients, we're gonna we're gonna start paying you. So it's those things, right? Attorney, non compete, have have the have the moment with yourself of you know if you're gonna be successful on your own because you're not gonna be getting a salary, right? You're getting a, a share of the revenue that you're that you're bringing in, and then lastly, find trusted partners of yours in the industry, again, custodial partners, wholesalers, tech vendors, etc. Find a few trusted individuals to have conversations of ideas of where to go. And so our, you know, our job here is to is to make sure that all of our partners out there know of our business model, know that we're a, you know, that we're a trusted partner of these firms that you know, if we get an introduction that is completely discreet, that is, you know, that we're completely confidential, right? So that, you know, no party gets hurt during the, during the conversation and start those conversations now because the longer that you spend with the firm at you don't like, it's bad for you, it's bad for your career. And honestly, it's bad for your clients as well, right? Because it's going back to everybody winning. If, if you're unhappy, like your, your clients can see it, right? Your, your clients want you to be happy. They want you to be successful, right? I think you have to keep that in mind that, don't worry about your clients not following you. Your clients really are looking out for your best interests as well. And if you're going to go to a place and you, and 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 again, we're going to have these conversations with you on what the value proposition of why you've made that change. And those those clients follow you, right? So th- those are the things that have to go through your mind, right? It's some some easy steps, but you know the the hardest step is 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 literally taking that first step, right? Knowing that you need to go, knowing that this isn't the place for you, and to, and to start those those little steps to get out the door. That's great, Sean. Well, this is uh, this has been fantastic information. If uh, if folks wanted to talk to you and learn more, or just pick your brain, uh, how would uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? I would say LinkedIn always always easy. Sean Mullen, S E A N M U L L E N. 
So Sean Molinette, Signature Wealth Partners, easy to, to find me on LinkedIn. Also, we have the Sig Wealth Partners website, uh, which uh, has access to my calendar. And you can create a uh, calendar uh, conversation right off of the website, right? And uh, I'll call you. And again, everything is, is confidential. And let's, you know, let's uh, see you know, how we can be successful together. Let's get you into a good spot. We love happy advisors. We want to do the best for, uh, you know, the best for everybody and, you know, the clients, the advisors. We're really trying to create a, a, fa- a family atmosphere where advisors really want to spend the next 10, 15 years of, of, of their career successfully and, and gives you more time to spend with the clients, right? Creates those, those sticky relationships, you know, and, and everybody wins. Great. Well, Sean, thank you for, uh, for being with us today. And uh, we look forward to having you back. I appreciate it, Chip. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I want to spend a little bit of time talking to younger advisors. I had Sean Mullen on to talk about uh, this subject, but I wanted to follow up to just really kind of dive a little deeper on the situation that some advisors find themselves in when they are either in a team or at a firm where they're not really sure whether or not they're in the right place. And Sean and I talked a lot about that, but one of the things that really struck me was the notion that everybody needs to win. Nobody wants to work in a situation, whether it's on a team or in a firm, where they're unhappy. Our clients don't want us to be unhappy, and our team over time will pay the price if we can't find a situation that suits us well. When I think about some of the reasons why folks may want to get out of their current situation, one of those reasons is more freedom. They want freedom of their time or their office space, their lifestyle. They want the idea of being able to be their own boss. I completely get that. I left a regional firm to start Signature Wealth, and I certainly am an example of that. Now, I will tell you, everything comes at a price, and so while you may get freedom of time and and get to choose your own office space, or even if you have one, there certainly are headaches that that come with with independence and and doing your own thing. Uh, And so all of these things, as we talk through them, all of them have uh, pluses and minuses. And one of the things that you're going to have to do is talk to some of your colleagues. You can uh, hit me up in the in the group, but really you have to weigh those out for yourself, very similar to the way that we talk to our clients about their financial plans. All these things are, are really individual. Another reason that some advisors want out is they want more money. They want to build long-term equity, but they can't see how they can do that in their current situation. They want unlimited growth potential. Or kind of the third thing is they want a better culture or they want to build a culture. You know, that's one of the things that was appealing to me was the idea of being able to pull together other advisors like me, because as I've said before, I believe that we're better together. Now, when you look at making a change, one of the things that a lot of advisors don't do, they make a mistake of not doing enough research. They kind of jump out of the frying pan and into the fire. I know lots of folks in the broker-dealer world who have gone from one major wirehouse to another or from one regional to another, or they've put themselves in a similar situation with a different statement. And that in most cases, especially in the BD world, comes with restrictions. It comes with 
not typically, maybe maybe not non-competes, but with some sort of retention package that can make it really difficult to unwind a bad decision. You've got to do your research on the front end. You know, I, I have a book that I wrote for advisors called Leap Before You Look. But when it comes to finding a different firm, due diligence is a must. Second is not understanding your comp plan. So really not understanding how the finances would work at a at a new place. One of the things I did not know in my transition was how the fee business would translate. A lot of folks want to talk about payout, but you have to really grasp how the numbers work because a lot of times, and at least uh, this was true at one point for me, thankfully we've been able to work through and correct that, but for a while I didn't understand my comp plan and it, it wasn't because the recruiter that that I worked with didn't explain it to me is that I didn't know what I didn't know. And so it's important to understand when you're even considering making a change what the compensation is going to look like, what it's tied to and how it works. Another area where folks can make a mistake is as important as it is to do your due diligence, you can stay at the wrong firm too long and yeah, you know, if you're thinking that you can stay with a firm that's not doing what you feel like it should with technology or with marketing or proactive engagement with with clients, if you feel like it's behind the times now, the chances are it's not going to get better. And so waiting around and hoping that it's going to get better, most of the time it won't because it's easier to do nothing than something. We deal with this with clients all the time. One of the the areas where it's hard to get a new client is sometimes it's just easier for them to do nothing and stay with the the current advisor. And so we can't subject ourselves to that in our professional lives as it pertains to our firms. There's a big difference between being a great practitioner and a great manager. There's a difference between running a practice and running a business. So sometimes partnering with other folks who uh, focus on management. Barry Dedge has been a lifesaver to me in coming in and really helping with the management of the day-to-day to our business. There's a big difference, and we're financial advisors, and we need to spend our time in front of people. And then finally, kind of a, a fifth mistake, if you will, that I see is folks who underestimate how much being alone sucks. When we came out on our own originally three and a half years ago, the idea of building our own practice, our own brand was so exciting that you can run on adrenaline for a while, but eventually you realize that you enjoy, there are parts of our old firm, I'll speak for me, there are parts of my old firm that I enjoyed. I have good friends there. So for me, then we set out to build a community of advisors who were like us. You know, if we had decided to move away from our old situation, but we didn't like being alone, we felt like it was great for us to be able to build our own. And so those are some mistakes that you can make. Here are a few things that I think you need to consider in order to help make the best choice for you. Was your book or a significant portion of it given to you to work? Now, if so, you could have a hard time 
leaving and, and starting your own thing. More on that in a, a previous episode, but you do have to be mindful of that. And if you are a great servicing advisor, but your specialty isn't bringing in new clients, you need to know that that's okay, that that is a great skill to have, but you also want to make sure that you're not making a career decision where your success is predicated on you going out and being a rainmaker if that's not your unique ability. Do you really want to go it alone or do you want to partner with a firm that allow you to own your own practice? Yeah, going your own way, going it alone is great for some people. There are plenty of rugged individualists out there, but it's tough. And so this is one of those things, whether it's whether we're talking about how much you may or may not want to be completely alone or whether or not you're a rainmaker. Those are two things where the, the saying to thine own self be true could not be more appropriate. You have to know yourself and what it is that you're good at and what you want. Doesn't mean you can't change. You can't decide later that you want something different. I know plenty of people who have, but it's not easy. That measure twice, cut once adage of doing your due diligence up front, knowing not only what's important at the firms or the custodians that you're considering, but also knowing what's important to you and your team is key. One of the things when I talk to people that they say that they want to be able to do is, and one of the reasons that that I founded with my partners, Signature Wealth, is they wanted to be able to partner with somebody who could be a service provider to them. They wanted to own their own practice, but they wanted to be able to have somebody that they could depend on. They wanted to be able to work with a team that's constantly coming up with resources that can enhance their client experience and their experience as an advisor. You know, uh, I found that oftentimes my firm told me that I was their client, but they didn't treat me as well as I treated my clients. And I think that that's something that all of us is completely fair to expect from our firms. One of the things I didn't realize in the RIA space was the number of vendors and how many things go into the tech stack and the research, investment management, marketing. I didn't realize sometimes you can have too many choices or it can feel like you have too many choices. A lot of the folks that I talk to don't have any interest in, in that. They want a clear-cut revenue split. You know, they don't want to not understanding, going back to what I said earlier, you know, folks want to understand how they're going to get paid and they want somebody that they can share ideas with. I'm a big believer, as I've said, probably on every show that we're better together. And so being part of a group who can help by sharing ideas and best practices and resources, whether that's an app or a website or some research or you name it, being part of a, a group that can share ideas is something that I find very valuable. I learn as much from my partners as you know, I do from outside sources and maybe even more because, frankly, I trust them and it makes me more comfortable. And then there are also advisors who are looking for help with acquisitions, someone who has experience. Maybe you know of a practice that's for sale, but you've not 
done that. Being part of a bigger group can help you come to understand how those things work and you can leverage that experience in order to be able to build your practice in organically. You know, if that sounds like you, just know that there are places like that for you, not just signature. You know, this podcast is designed to bring all of us together. It's not to be a a recruiting commercial. We certainly have folks who listen that fit with us, but that's not the point. The point is for you, there are firms that can give you what it is that you're looking for. They actually do exist. I hope that you will uh, check us out in the Facebook group uh, over at Maximum Advisor on Facebook. You can reach out to me there. I look forward to a conversation and just know that our team, in any way that we can help you, whether it's growing where you're planted or in researching new things, any of the experience that we have that we can use to help you, that's what we're here for because we're better together. Talk to you again real soon. To download what we believe is the single most important marketing, selling, and positioning tool for your practice, go to MaximumAdvisor.com slash scorecard now. Subscribe to this show anywhere you listen to podcasts or at MaximumAdvisor.com.